Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Now I know we have our first year under the belt. We've gone through a variety of different topics. I told you I have so many exciting things planned for this year, but I started thinking about it and I realized, you know, I show up each week and I give you information about nutrition or behavior modification. I give you some of our family's favorite recipes but I don't really share a lot about myself. And so I'm going to start giving you some little insight as to who is this person sharing all this information. You guys know the basics. You know, I have five kids. I live on a farm. Um, My oldest is going to be 16 this year. So I'm sure we will have horror stories, hopefully not, um, of driving, (laughs) driving stories coming up. Um, Then I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. My first three are boys. And then I have twin girls, and they are nine. And oh my goodness, for those of you with girls, I get it. I get it. We go from zero to 60 multiple times a day in this house. And there are big emotions, and there are lots of them. Lots and lots of emotions. So I can't even tell you how many times I've looked over to Jim and just apologized because I'm pretty sure that my girls are little versions of me. Um, what can I tell you about myself this week? I love the color green. I am a huge This Is Us fan. All right. So for those of you that just watched the season finale for this year, we can have a conversation if you'd like. Um, but... I think the most important thing that I want people to know about me is I truly do have a passion for helping people. And I think that's why we started this podcast, because I just want to help people. And I know not everybody can come to see me in the office um, or maybe meet with a dietitian, and that's okay. And if you can't, then maybe you can just tune in and listen to this each week and learn something and hopefully apply it to your own life. The topic we're going to talk about today is something that I hear over and over and over practically every single visit, every single day that I am in the office. And it's this, this idea or this thought, or maybe I should even say this question of how can I control my food? How can I control my food choices? A lot of times... When we feel out of control around food, we think the answer must be, I need more control. I get it. I mean, I think I've shared with you this. If you guys have read my book, my book is also called Nourish, Eat, Repeat. You'll learn in the first chapter that I was bigger in college than I was pregnant with my twin girls. I weighed more in college than I did pregnant with my twin girls. And I thought the answer was more control. 
if I just have more willpower, if I just have more self-discipline, if I just can get rid of all the junk food in the house, then maybe then I could lose weight. And interesting what maturity does and lots of education and lots of research and lots of trying different things. And I came to realize that the thing that I was so desperately seeking was the exact thing that I needed to let go of. The more you try to control your food, the more out of control you will feel. Let's say that again. The more you try to control your food, the more out of control you will feel. Do you ever notice the people that are constantly on diets or constantly trying to change their weight? They're also the people that will make comments, I don't want to think about food anymore. I'm sick of obsessing over everything I eat. I'm sick of having to write down everything I eat. The one thing that they keep doing over and over and over again is the one thing that they actually need to release and let go if they want to have success. And you almost need to come to that moment where you're like in complete despair. Not like you want to, you know, hit rock bottom. I'm not comparing this to an addiction by any means. But you almost need to get to the point where you're just like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Somebody teach me another way. And that's actually one of my favorite places to meet people at is because they're finally in this place of realizing, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Please show me another way. And then they're finally open to trying something new. You know, when a person's not quite in that moment yet, I can tell them different things to do, but in their head, they're still saying, nope, I just need to control what I'm doing. I just need more willpower. I need to double down. I need to try harder. And those efforts keep them in that diet loop or on that diet hamster wheel. And they think that the lack of control is what's causing them pain and frustration. And it's actually the the trying to keep everything under control that's causing the pain and the frustration and the overwhelm. So today we're going to talk all about it, right? We're going to go there. We're going to go deep into it. And we're going to figure out how do we stop wanting to control our food? Or how do we stop wanting to, you know, have more willpower and be more disciplined? How do we get over these moments when we have cravings and they're intense? How do we find control, right? It's it's this word control that we have to break down and we have to work through, all right? Again, people who want to eat healthy, they also will always tell me, but I want to have a healthy relationship with food. I remember reading somewhere, um, I think her name was Isabel Fox and Duke, and she's like, you can either pursue thinness or sanity. Take your pick. You can't pursue both. It's kind of like when the Bible says you can't have two masters. You can't love God and you can't love money. Right? You can't want thinness, but you can also want sanity too, because the two are on opposite sides 
of the pendulum. You've got to pick a lane. And I'm not saying that you can't have a healthy body, but at some point, you've got to let go of this notion of having to have everything under control in order for you to be successful. All right? So here's the secret. Secret. <laughs> Don't seek out more control. Don't seek out more willpower. Don't seek out more motivation. We need to let that go. And just let food be food again. You know, we want a healthy relationship with food, but you know what? Most of us don't have anything close to that. So rather than going from unhealthy relationship to, oh, all of a sudden I have this perfect, great relationship with food, maybe we just need to stop at neutral. Where food can just be food. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just food. And I think that's the first step, is just getting to neutral. But when you obsess over something over and over and over again, when you keep those thoughts always at the top of mind and you're always thinking about food and writing about food and planning your food, and, and those are all things that are important but to a point, when it turns over into a more obsessive um, mindset, that's when we need to pull back and do some work. I wanted to share this study with you. It's really interesting. It's called the White Bear Study. Um, it's actually Daniel Wagner was the psychologist uh, from the 1980s. And he did this study where he asked participants for a minute, I'd like you to think about whatever you'd like with the exception of a white bear. So he asked this group of people to think about whatever they wanted. The only rule was they could not think about a white bear. And so venture, I guess, what happened. What do you think the people thought about? The white bear. It's funny because the harder you try not to think about the white bear, the more likely it was to come up in your mind. And so what Daniel Wagner found was when people try to suppress or resist certain thoughts, it will often backfire and lead to higher rates of that thought invading your mind. Isn't that interesting? And if you're under times of stress, then this just escalates even more. When you forcefully try not to think of something, one part of your brain will suppress the thought. The problem is there's another part of your brain that will check in every so often to make sure that thought doesn't pop up, which ironically brings the thought up to mind. So imagine you're telling yourself, okay, think about whatever you want. Think about flowers. Think about houses. Think about your kids. Think about whatever you want. Just do not think about a white bear. Okay, got it. Houses, flowers, houses, flowers, uh, this is my to-do list. And then all of a sudden, there's this part of your brain that's checking in. Now, you're not thinking about a white bear, are you? Because we're not supposed to think about that. And what ends up happening is all you can think about. No, I'm not allowed to think about the white bear. I'm supposed to think about houses and flowers and my kids and everything else. But are you thinking about the white bear? Because you're not supposed to be thinking about it. And so the more you try to suppress something, the more it actually comes top of mind. And then what do you think happens, right? 
We get frustrated that the thought keeps popping into our mind. Guys, how many of you guys do this with food, with chocolate, with sugar? Don't, I'm not going to have chocolate today. Don't even think about chocolate. I don't want to see chocolate. I'm going to remove all the chocolate from my house. I ate it all last night. So that way there wouldn't be any in the house today. All right. We're not thinking about chocolate today. And guess what pops into your mind? Chocolate. Of course it does. And the harder you try to resist, the more you end up thinking about it. And then guess what happens when you think about it a lot? You act on it, right? You think about chocolate all day. It's just a matter of time before you eat it. They actually did this work with smokers, uh, with people that overate. Uh, They found like the smoking group, not only did the people that were told you can think about whatever you want, but not smoking, not only did they think about smoking more, but they smoked more cigarettes. The more you try to control yourself and tell yourself you can't do something, the more you're going to think about it. So if this is true, if we're going to be successful, we have to find another way. Suppression actually produces a preoccupation with the suppressed thought. So if this is how the brain works, then we have to work with the brain instead of against it. But so many of us are scared, you know, because we tell ourselves, okay, today's the day. It's a new day. I'm going to follow through with my goals. I'm not going to eat any chocolate. I'm not going to think about chocolate. I'm going to remove it from my mind. And in doing so, you actually bring up the thought about chocolate so many more times than you would have if you didn't create this whole dramatic scene in your head. And then we get frustrated and we wonder why. Why is this not working? I'm, I'm, I need more willpower. I need more control. No, you don't. You don't at all. You just need to stop trying to create a controlling environment and stop trying to suppress these thoughts. You're actually making it worse. That's why people are so frustrated because they think the, what they're doing is going to make it better and instead it's getting worse. And instead of questioning their technique, they're questioning themselves and who they are as a person and their identity and their worth and if they're ever going to be able to succeed. They're questioning the wrong thing. Same thing with diets. How many times have you heard throughout the years that diets don't work? Diets don't work. It's because they don't. They cause you to suppress the one thing, food, eating, life, don't eat, don't be hungry, to the point where all you do is think about it. And then you overeat. Dieting causes people to gain weight, not to lose weight, or at least not for any sustainable length of time. So guess what? We've been doing it wrong. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault at all. You're just doing what you were taught. And when it didn't work, you thought it was your fault. And instead, you were using a broken system. So we've identified the problem, but we also have to identify the solution. So what do we do? If trying to have more control is not the answer, 
how do we do this thing the right way in a way that honors our body and a way that honors our mind and how our brains function? Let's talk about that. What are some things that you can do? And I, I want to keep going with this example of chocolate because it's one that comes up very often. You know, we have these cravings and we think, I just need to get more control. I just need to, to figure it out. I can't do it. I'm just going to tell myself no. All right. So when you have these thoughts or these cravings or things that want to um, take you away from your goal, like all of a sudden you want to eat something that you, is not on your plan or is not healthy or whatever, insert whatever you want into here. A couple things we can do. Instead of getting angry that the thought pops up, one thing we can do is just learn to accept that the thought pops up. All right. Cravings are a natural part of being human. As long as your heart is beating and you're able to listen to this podcast, you are a human. So that means that you're going to have cravings. I don't care if you are at the beginning of your health journey, if you are in the middle, if you were successful in the past, if you've, you know, maybe you've lost weight or, you know, kept your blood sugars under control for, uh, 10 years, you're still going to have cravings from time to time. It's called being human. It's not a, a fault of yours. You're not messing up. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just normal. And cravings happen to everyone. So if you get a craving for something, instead of being fearful and scared and frustrated and angry that it happens, all I want you to say is, ah, oh, that's interesting. I guess it's my turn. I guess it's my turn today. And it's okay. I promise you it's okay. You don't need more control. You just need to accept that it's your turn to get a craving. Right? We've talked about thoughts before. We talked about how thoughts are like clouds, right? They come into your frame and they move out. And they we have, I think, I don't know, over 6,000 thoughts a day that pop in and out of our mind. And some go in and out very quickly, and we don't pay any attention to them. And some like to stick around for a while. That's what I like to call cravings. They're thoughts that got stuck. <laughs> we would have liked for them to keep moving, but for whatever reason, they got stuck. And now that they're stuck, we think we must take action because it feels uncomfortable. I want chocolate but I'm not supposed to be eating chocolate. I'm supposed to be controlling my food. And it causes stress and it causes overwhelm and it causes anxiety and it starts to cause a vibration in our chest and it feels uncomfortable. You know, for a lot of us, we don't know how to sit in the uncomfortable. I am notorious for this right here. You know, I always use the example of yoga. I am terrible at yoga. Fun fact about me, I am not flexible at all. If I can touch the middle of my shins, it's a good day. I used to say, I always missed that stupid presidential award in high school because I couldn't do the sit and reach. I could do all the other stuff, but I couldn't do the sit and reach. But let's get back to yoga. The great thing about yoga is it forces you. I shouldn't say it forces. Yoga doesn't force you to do anything, but it teaches you how to sit in the uncomfortable. Like when you're in a pose that is challenging, you know, for me, that's pretty much any pose in yoga. But when you do a pose that's challenging, 
All you want to do is get out of it as quickly as possible. Your goal is to get out of that pose as quickly as possible because it's too uncomfortable. But the yoga instructor, in her nice, sweet voice, will always tell you, it's okay, just breathe. We're only going to be here for a moment longer. And you end up staying in the pose. And you realize that the world did not stop turning. You are okay. And that is how you get better at yoga. Because you fall into these poses and you hold them for longer periods of time. You can get deeper into the stretch. You get more flexible and that's how you get better. So sitting in the uncomfortable is okay. But for a lot of us, we don't know how to do that. And so we want to get out of it very, very quickly. We don't feel good. It feels anxious. It feels overwhelming. Or it may feel restless. It may, you may feel anger. You may feel stress. Whatever you're feeling, it's okay. These thoughts are going to come in and they're going to go out. All right? Our job is just not to be so reactive. Our goal is to just take a breath and realize that we're going to be okay. So remember, cravings are normal. We don't have to try to get rid of them very quickly, or I should say as quick as we can, get them out of our heads, or, or eat this chocolate real quick because that'll be the quickest way to make it go away. Our goal is to just be like, okay, it's my turn. All right. I notice in my body that my heart rate feels like it's increasing. That's really interesting. Pay attention to how your body feels when you have one of these thoughts. But most importantly, try to slow things down. We're not able to think with the thinking part of our brain when our sympathetic nervous system is all cranked up. And so we first need to take a breath. Another thing that we can do is we can rewrite the script, meaning we can come up with a new thought. So here's the deal. We can't always control what thoughts pop into our heads. You know, 6,000 thoughts going through our mind every day. We don't really have all the control over which ones come in. We don't even necessarily get to decide which ones stay. But we do have the capability to create new thoughts. And if the thought in your head is not helpful, then you can rewrite a new thought. You know, if you have a craving for something, you have that chocolate, and you're trying to control your chocolate cravings and not have them, and you're, oh, here we go again. Here's one of these cravings. I don't think I'm going to be able to get through it because I'm just so overwhelmed. You get to come up with a new thought. And that thought might be, okay, I'm not going to be scared. Cravings happen to everybody. It's just my turn. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to take some deep breaths and I'm going to work through it. I'm willing to sit through the uncomfortable until it passes. This too shall pass. That's what it's like to rewrite the script. A lot of times people want this step-by-step action plan where you're going to not eat this food and then eat this food and everything's going to be great. It doesn't work that way. You have to change your mindset And changing your mindset means rewriting your scripts. You've got a lot of thoughts that have been bouncing around your head for a lot of years. 
And I guarantee you, most of those thoughts are not helpful. They're just ones you've had on repeat for far too long. So rewrite the script. Come up with a thought that's helpful and repeat that anytime you come into a situation where you can use it. Another tip that can be helpful is journaling. You know, again, it's a very powerful exercise putting your thoughts to paper. I think one of the things that I enjoy journaling or what I enjoy about journaling so much is I'm able to identify truths and I'm able to, it's helpful for me to identify lies. So I think I mentioned this before in previous podcasts, your brain will believe whatever you repeat, whether it's a true statement or a false statement. If you repeat it enough, your brain will believe that it's true. And so you may be surprised to find what thoughts immediately rise to the surface when you're in a situation that aren't even true. The one I used to tell myself all the time when I was in a moment where I just wanted to eat something was, I don't care. I'll just work on it tomorrow. I don't care. That doesn't even make sense. Obviously, I care. I care deeply. I care enough about it to prioritize it and try to work on it. So I clearly do care. But when I tell myself in the moment, I don't care because I just want to do what I want to do, that is a bold-faced lie. And so when I am able to put that to paper and write down the thoughts that are popping up in the moment that are trying to take me away from my goal, I can look at them and I can assess them as to whether or not they're true statements or they're false statements. And if they are false, I can then again rewrite the script. I can cross things out. I was doing something that in my journal the other day, I was writing something and I think it was about like something I was concerned about or worried about. I don't actually remember the situation right off the top of my head. And I wrote down something and I'm like, I looked at it. I'm like, but that's not even true. That was just what I was telling myself to justify my behavior. So I crossed it off and then I wrote down the truth. And writing down the truth allowed me to own the truth and then take a different approach take a action step that was actually going to be helpful instead of saying, I'm stuck. I don't know how to fix it. This is just what's doomed to happen. Uh, Another tip that can be helpful is mental games. Now it is a distraction. I was doing some research. Like what is a good mental game that you can do to distract yourself for a significant amount of time? And it said, do the alphabet gratitude game where you think of something that you're grateful for that starts with the entire uh, 26 letters of the alphabet. I was like, oh, that could be challenging, especially when you get to Q's and X's. Um, But, you know, it's meant to be a distraction so you can slow down your breathing and actually think more logically. It's not meant to distract you because you're scared of the uncomfortable emotion. It's just to help you work through it, just like deep breathing is in yoga. You, you know, send your breath to the discomfort. Send your gratitude to the discomfort. Either one works. Uh, Some people find creativity is really helpful in these moments, whether it's drawing or music, dancing, photography, anything like that can be helpful. Uh, Even visualization. You know, maybe you're not a creative person, but, you know, you can just sit there and do some visualization work where you see yourself in the future 
coming out of the situation successfully. You know, if you can see yourself working through it, maybe it's, you know, not going to the kitchen to eat the chocolate. Think about the steps that you take in order to be successful and then go do those things, right? You know, you'll notice that there's a common thread or a common theme throughout all of these. You know, it's first of all, slow down. And instead of resisting, instead of trying to control, you're almost absorbing, allowing, and then letting go. So if you find yourself saying these common thoughts, I need to have more control. I need to have more willpower. I want you to, I want you to think about this podcast. And I want to offer you another way that can be incredibly freeing, but also be incredibly successful. All right. So one thing to uh, note, I did want to make a final note. Uh, Self-control and self-trust are not the same thing. A lot of times I will hear people say, I don't trust myself around chocolate or I don't trust myself around bread or I don't trust myself around donuts because I can never eat one. I would eat the whole thing. And I think where self-trust comes from, why trust is so hard in this moment is because you have a list of shoulds. I shouldn't do this. I should only eat one or I shouldn't eat this at all because it's not good for me. And the word should evokes fear. And when you're in a state of fear, trust becomes impossible. Self-trust can only come once you reject the thought that your diet needs to look a certain way. If you want to have trust with yourself, you need to get rid of the shoulds. You need to get rid of the control. Self-trust actually comes very easily once we let go the obsession about our food, the obsession about our body. You know, if anything, get to know yourself. Lately, I've been, I seem to be working with a lot of women going through menopause. I'm like, you're going to have to reintroduce yourself to your body. Get to know yourself. It's different now. It's not bad different. It's just different. For so many of us, we have no clue how our body communicates to us, what makes it feel good, because we've been trying to should ourselves into submission. It doesn't work that way. Come at it with curiosity. It's a much better place to be in. It allows your brain to relax. It allows you to relax. And it allows you to enjoy life just so much more. All right, so that is your that is your control work. <laughs> what you need to work on in terms of letting go of control so you can live your best life and you can move on. All right, so I want you to work on some of these things. If you try any of these approaches, let me know. Let me know if they're helpful. I actually, I want to share with you something that I've been working on. Um, I started working on this program called Diet Rehab. And it's a 30-day mindset program where we take some of these thoughts that are swirling around in our head about our diets, about our food. You know, for so many of us, 
we have gone through diet trauma. And I'll call it diet trauma because we've been on every single diet. And instead of feeling better about ourselves or better about our bodies, we've gone in the opposite direction. We feel worse. And so this isn't a nutrition program where I tell you what food to eat. It is simply a 30-day mindset program where you get to work on your head and your mind and your thoughts. And I teach you the step-by-step way to create new thoughts. And so if that's something that interests you, um, you can just go to our website, which is bodymetricshealth.com, and you can click on the programs tab, and you'll see the words diet rehab. And that is our self-study program that you can work on if you think you're at the place where you're ready to work on some of the mindset stuff around food. Again, not about doesn't tell you what to eat or how to exercise. It doesn't do any of that. It's simply a mindset program that revolves all around food. So you'll download a journal, you'll get a daily video that takes about, I don't know, three to five minutes, and then you'll work through some journal prompts. And I think you're going to find it extremely helpful. So just want to let you know that that's available if you're interested. All right, guys, let's get to your recipe of the week. So we've got shrimp and avocado salads. I stumbled across this recipe the other week. I knew we wanted to have shrimp and it's getting warmer outside. So I did not want to be cooking over the stove or in the oven. And I came across this recipe from Taste of Home and it is delicious. And it's so incredibly simple. So for this recipe, you're going to need a pound of large shrimp peeled and deveined, uh, one small garlic clove minced, a half a teaspoon of chili powder, a quarter teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of ground cumin, two teaspoons of olive oil, five cups of romaine salad mix, one cup of corn, one cup of edamame, half a cup of chopped red pepper, and one medium avocado peeled and thinly sliced. Now, if you decide this is way too many ingredients, I'm just going to go on Taste of Home's website and grab the recipe from there. You can go ahead and do that. Uh, Just know that the recipe actually calls for a cup of peas, but I swapped out the peas for edamame just because I had them in my freezer and I wanted something with a little bit more protein. So just letting you know how that worked. Um, Basically, you're going to cook the shrimp in the garlic and you're going to season with chili powder, salt, cumin, and you're going to cook it in the olive oil until the shrimp is cooked. You know, so gosh, that doesn't take long at all. About two to three minutes on each side and you're good to go. Uh, If you don't want to cook shrimp because you're nervous about cooking shrimp and making sure it's cooked all the way, don't be, first of all. But if you still are, you can just buy the the large shrimp that's already pre-cooked And you'll just peel it and add some of the spices and warm it up over the stove with some of those, the garlic, the chili powder, the salt, and the cumin. So either way, you're going to get a great result. Uh, It just depends on how much time you have if you want to actually cook the shrimp or just reheat the shrimp. And then you're literally going to throw the salad, corn, edamame, pepper, avocado in a bowl, and you're going to stick the shrimp on top. And then here's where all the magic happens. We're going to make a cilantro vinaigrette. So for the the dressing, you're going to need seven tablespoons of olive oil, a quarter cup of chopped cilantro, a quarter cup of lime juice, one and a half teaspoons of sugar, 
one small garlic clove minced, a half a teaspoon of salt, and a quarter teaspoon of pepper. And you're literally just going to throw all those ingredients, I think there's seven of them, into a mason jar with a lid, and you're gonna shake it, and it's gonna be amazing. Guys, do not buy store-bought salad dressing. Not when it's so simple and so easy to just throw a couple ingredients together into a shaker and instantaneously have salad dressing like 30 seconds later. That's how quick and easy it is. Um, Just a quick note, if you're making your own homemade salad dressings, they only do stay in your refrigerator for about five days or so. I wouldn't keep them for a long time. There are no preservatives in it and we always want to think of food safety. All right, guys, so that is your recipe. I hope you enjoy it as much as our family did. Everybody loved it. And again, there's seven to please. So when I find a good one, you know I am sharing it with all of you. All right, guys, hope you have a great week. Um, We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.